day, everybody. Welcome to another installment of the Vinyl Community Podcast. I'm your host, Rob, from the Vinyl Community YouTube channel, Northern Revolutions. I'm joined today by two guests, fellow uh, content creators in the YouTube Vinylscape, shall we say. Um, Jason Arsenault, who I have had on as a guest before, and newcomer Alex from Beer and Vinyl. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Glad to have you guys on board. Um, thought we would have a discussion today that um, we want to talk about reissues versus OGs or new vinyl versus old vinyl. And it, for me, the genesis of, of that conversation, I, I went record store shopping with my wife a few weeks back, went to our local record store bought three new records and it was 170 bucks. And I thought to myself, boy, that's a tad expensive these days. Those are not actually the words that I used, but this is a family friendly podcast. Um, <laughs> and I got thinking to myself that I, maybe I should reevaluate the way that I collect records and, and maybe new vinyl is not necessarily the way to go. So I thought it would make an interesting discussion you know, talking to you guys about what's your preference? Do you have a preference? What what sort of guides you in, in either direction? Or maybe you buy both in, in what sort of governs those purchases? So um, whichever one of you wants to, to tackle it first, but do you guys have a preference? Is there something that you're sort of innately drawn to or it's just whatever you come across? Go ahead, Alex. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I would say probably 75 to 80% of my collection is used records. And that's a collection of, and this is not like a flex or anything, but that, that's around somewhere between 2,000 and 2,500 records. And so I, the, the vast, vast, vast majority of those are new, or I'm sorry, are used. Um, and of those 20-ish or 25% that are new, I would say the vast majority of those are new artists or or new records from old bands, right? So um, I guess I definitely have a preference. My, my favorite uh, thing to do is to go and dig through used bins or to go to local used stores and, um, you know, try to find that that thing. Um, but also for me, it's, that's just the type of music that I'm typically more into. I, I'm a classic rock and roll kind of guy. So, um, I love the relic. I love the, the history. I love, you know, the artifact of it, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's what I've always sort of gravitated to. And so, um, that's definitely a preference for me, but obviously there's a lot of, uh, reasons that finding an original or a first pressing or whatever might be unrealistic or too expensive or super rare or whatever that is where um, I'm, I'm totally great and fine and very supportive of reissues as well. What about you, Jason? Yeah, you know, I'm kind of all over the place. Typical indecisive Jason here. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think, and we've talked about this before, how your record collecting habits 
just they're always changing, right? Your your habits change, and whether that's due to your proximity to stores or maybe um, just your budgetary concerns, which is like the primary motivator, as you said, one hundred seventy dollars for three records. Who the hell can keep that up, right? Um, I think that uh, I started out with just in that mindset of an early collector of grabbing everything I possibly could. And then I quickly learned that that's not the way to do it because you bring home crap that doesn't play well. You bring home stuff you don't want to listen to. So then I gravitated towards the idea of I'm only going to buy albums that I really know I want. And I really want to get the ones that sound the best. So I got a bit of an audiophile, uh, you know, tinge to my collecting for sure. But I'd say in the last six months, I've really seen, seeing the light is, you know, in a non-judgmental way, like the thrill of having an OG and having the artifact aspect of the collecting is really appealing to me now. Um, that being said, if it's an album that I absolutely love, I'll want the artifact. But if it's a crappy recording, I'm also going to want the best recording. So that's how I justify buying two versions of the same album, right? Um, so I think... I think over time, I and it's not too dissimilar from what Alex said, where a lot of my records that are new are new artists or like brand new releases from them, or at least that's the direction I seem to be going. Um, if I buy reissues, it's because it's a notable engineer or a mix or the pressing plant, or it's just known to be sonically superior. Um so, for example, if I'm in a record store, fortunate enough to go to a record store, then I'm, I'm flipping through albums uh, and they're just just nonstop reissues of the same old stuff. You know, like first thing that comes to mind is like uh, the uh, Jimmy Page remasters of all the Zeppelin albums. Right. I happen to have Zeppelin four because it was a very early purchase and I, and I knew I'd never run across OG Zeppelins where I'm at. But that's a great, great example of an album that I'll now pass on. Do I have physical graffiti? No. Do I want it? Hell yeah. But I will wait to find something that's old, ancient, you know, the artifact. I want to keep the hunt going. I'm very picky with what I bring home now. And I think that's to my advantage for financial reasons. But it also makes it more exciting because it prolongs the hobby, right? Without, you know, bringing crap home that I'm never going to spin. You mentioned the the artifact and i'm gonna i'm gonna circle back to that in just a second because that's that's a big thing for me um i'm for for point of contrast to you guys i'm kind of a bit of both if that makes sense i have a lot of og original stuff and i have a lot of new vinyl and i think in the last i don't know five years i've been on a new vinyl kick Big part of that, I think, is because it's new artists, so <laughs> it's new vinyl. But that's, you know, because it's just been released, that's that's how it is. Um, or uh, they're albums that previously had not been available on vinyl before, because that seems to be a trend. There's a lot of, for example, stuff from the '90s, you know, the heyday of the CD that was never released on vinyl that is now being pressed on vinyl. I mean, the, the thing that immediately comes to mind is Cheryl Crow's Tuesday Night Music Club just got released on an anniversary pressing. Yes, there was a record store day one a few years ago, but there was no OG. So I've been, I've been doing a lot of that kind of stuff for the last few years and quite happy that I've been doing those, but the price is going up and up and up. And 
Jason and I being in Canada, record prices are significantly higher than they are for our American friends, uh, stupidly so. But So that's kind of where I've been the last few years. But you mentioned the artifact, and that was a big thing for me, and still is to, to a degree. I love the idea of having the original pressing of, of an album if it's a band that I love for a nostalgia reason. And the immediate example is the Beatles. I mean, I'm, that was my first entry into music. And I started collecting records in the early 90s when I was a teenager when no one was collecting records. So records were easy to come by. And I got OG first pressings of all the Canadian Beatles records in phenomenal shape, paid very little for them because I bought them 35 years ago, 30 years ago. And that's great. But I still want the original artifact. By that, I mean the original UK first pressings because the Beatles were from England. How they were released in England was how the band intended them, not the way they were released in North America with altered track listings, alternate covers, a ton of reverb dumped on the albums. Not there's anything wrong with those North American versions of the albums. People grew up with those and they're fine. But I want the album as the band had intended. So I've been slowly trying to acquire original first pressings of all the UK Beatles albums because they sound good. But most important, because it's that original artifact and it's it's had a life for the last 55 60 years before it became into my possession and i have no idea what that past was but i'm intrigued by that that when someone listened to sergeant pepper for the first time it was likely it was on you know this original mono first press that i have from 1967 or whatever and i love that aspect of it, it rob you make a, a, a great point that for me, like the the th- the thrill is uh, of the collecting part of it is is not necessarily yeah. There's a great like endorphin rush when you like find the thing, but I think to me it's what's so cool about record collecting, at least for me, is the story behind a lot of these original sort of you know treasures, right? Like um, you know I think of stories about um, you know band covers, right? Like I mean. Butcher cover is a perfect example. Like there are reissues of that, <laughs> but like, what you know what I mean? Like I, it's not, the, it's not the same. And so, um, and there's so many different records that have some kind of story of, Oh, this was in the bin for three weeks. And then it got, you know, taken back by the label and, and all that kind of stuff. Or, you know, the, uh, I don't know. I'm thinking of like pronounced Leonard Skinner, you know, the very first Skinner record. It's, this is by no means like a super valuable product, but it's like, yeah, they were signed to MCA, but they were on the small subsidiary um, sounds of the South label. And so it's like, when you find that first on that yellow sounds of the South label, there's like this element of, Oh, this is a cool story before they blew up. Right. Um, And so it's all of those types of like stories and, label thing all that kind of stuff oh, that God. the minutiae the minutiae that yeah. frankly most people probably don't care as much about but for me i'm like oh this is like what I'm i like, love yeah. and what i yeah i'm fascinated no, by it that's an awesome point alex like and, and that's why we're in this hobby and this that's why we're crazy um like the label history alone 
is something to go after when it comes to originals, right? Like people get re-released on different labels and all that type of stuff, but to have that original copy be the artifact and have it on the label that originally started, maybe that label's not here anymore. Like the further I get into this hobby, the more I start to appreciate and, and see that my new goal is to learn more about different labels and things. But what I want to mention is what... Um, Rob kind of alluded to um, when we're talking about originals or it doesn't even have to be an original but it could be an old album like you pick up a used bin album you know when you first start collecting you're like oh this is all dirty and gross and stuff but I think you start to appreciate over time who listened to this record beforehand like I of course I would never advocate or be a fan of someone writing on the album my god I hate it and we all hate it but it's pretty cool to realize that hey, this thing's 40, 50 years old. How many different households has this been in? This smells like cigarette smoke or whatever it might be, right? Like, what is the history of this particular album? Like, I just picked up something used. Um, I was in Vancouver and grabbed this Leo Kotke album that I'm like, it was a grail item for me. And I was so stoked to have it. I didn't care that someone wrote their name on the back because it meant a lot to me to finally acquire the album. Sure, I'd prefer the name not being there. But on one hand, it's like this person loved this album so much that took it to different people's houses, wrote their name on it so to make sure they got it back. And uh, I don't know, it just adds something to the whole collecting aspect of it to realize that you know, it'd be great to be the first owner of a UK original Beatles, but you know, we weren't there at the time. So we have to basically rummage through other people's uh, throwaways and, and pick those gems up. Very true. I, I was thinking as you were talking, it, I don't think you can have a discussion about OGs and reissues or old versus new without talking about the issue that I always hate talking about. And that's how's it sound? Um, I'm, I've said it before. I'm not an audiophile. If that's, if that's what gets your rocks off in, you know, you want to have a $50,000 stereo system and, and all of that matters and more power to you. Cool. That's not me and no judgment either way. <laughs> Invite me over and let me listen to it. <laughs> you know, um, but you know, there's, there's some discussion to be had, you know, does does buying a new reissue inherently mean you're going to get something that sounds better or do either do the originals when they paid a little more attention and everything wasn't as mass produced as it is because they're cranking records out so fast these days the plants can't keep up that's why we're having so many quality control problems do they sound better now than they did back then and I you know I think that's something that that some folks, ponder when they go well should i get a 50 year old record or should i get that remaster that came out last year i'm surprised like you know various vc channels will do shootouts and they'll do shootouts with originals and it is kind of striking to realize that some of the originals can beat out these reissues right even even high-end reissues you know pressed at rti you know you know bellman's and the dead wax and all this stuff and the original might beat it I don't know anything about the technology required to, to make the album, to record the album. I, you know, in due time, I hope to learn a lot about that, but you know, it, it is fascinating to realize that recordings from way back then could still top recordings of today. It's absolutely true. I mean, it's I mean, recorded on tape and provided, you know, that the tape is in good quality, you know, good condition, it's all about how you process it and do whatever. I mean, to, again, to go back to the, the Beatles analogy, you know, the mono remasters that they did in 2014, 
are highly, highly regarded, are expensive as hell. But the sound they got out of that tape that was 60 years old is, 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 is pretty damn incredible. And the lengths that they went through to reproduce those albums with the, the flip back jackets like Garrett and Loftus produced back in the 60s. And, you know, those are those are wonderful things to own and they're in far better condition than my UK originals. Um, so there's something there's something to be said for that. But, um, you know, that, I think that's always something people want to, you know, do, do, you see a lot of used records that are, you know, beat up and, you know, putting a, putting a plastic sleeve on a record is a relatively new, you know, uh, concept, you know, how many thrift stores and, and, and antique shops you go into and they have tons of records and nothing has a sleeve on it. And, you know, I, I often, you know, if I'm, I'm at a flea market and I see a place like that, I go, yeah, I'm not gonna bother looking through those. And maybe, maybe I'm missing out on finding some gems and that's entirely possible. But, you know, I think that's a thought process for some folks that, Maybe I don't, maybe I like to newcomers to the hobby. I don't want this thing that's 60 years old and the jackets, you know, got a little, or do I want this thing that's new and shiny? And I think it really varies on a, on a case by case. Well, and yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I always think about this hobby, uh, that the, the demographics of individuals who, who make it up. And I think like, you know, we have YouTube channels. Like we, we know, you know, like we read the dead wax. Like we know when the latest things are coming out. And like, I mean, this probably comprises less than like 5% of people who do this. Oh, right. Like, probably even like, less they, than that. Yeah. Yeah. I was being nice, but right. I uh, think, you know, like <laughs> one of my favorite things is, and it's like, I, 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 there's no pretentiousness here. I think it's hilarious and great. And I was part of it. And I just, I just love that people are doing it is when they say something like, I love vinyl because I love the way it sounds. I just love hearing those pops and clicks and, <laughs> and they will, they will reference things that people like us would be like, Oh my gosh. Like, it, but like, that's that, you know what I mean? Like they're not sitting there looking at like, you see, that's got that Rudy Van Gelder and the dead wax. You know, it's like, <laughs> nice. you know, they just think it's cool. artifact that's 50 years old that has all this dust and stuff on it that pops and clicks when they play it on probably their less than, you know, amazing audiophile setup. But like, I think that is probably what makes up a huge, huge chunk of the business of, of the record world. Well, and that's a, and you, you, you touch on something there. There is a huge influx of young people discovering vinyl. And a lot of cases, it's, you know, it's because of the Taylor Swifts of the world. And say what you want. Alex and I are both Taylor Swift fans. But um, say what you want about her. She has brought a ton of people into this record collecting hobby people that buy vinyls with an s that just gets under my skin it's a record damn it. it's not <laughs> vinyls but nonetheless there are people that are buying new vinyl to buy a taylor swift album or you know an olivia rodrigo album or whomever and that's the gateway to going back and discovering older music whether it's the Beatles or the Rolling Stones or, or Led Zeppelin or whatever. So 
because of the vinyl boom, the new vinyl boom, I think that's that does a very good service for the hobby for people to go back and discover older music. And that's a, that's a good thing. Crazy that people are getting into this hobby. <laughs> like like Alec Talks' point about the pops and clicks, it's like who would have thought that that would be an attractive thing? And it, and of course it is. One thing, um, speaking about new vinyl and the vinyl boom, as I just mentioned, which I, I mean, I think by all, by all indications is still going strong. One thing that that has enabled to happen is new pressings of super rare records that we can't get our hands on originals that are, you know, yeah. crazy old or crazy rare or the one example that, that that sticks in my mind and it's an artist I'm a big fan of Sixto Rodriguez who subject of the, the documentary Searching for Sugar Man I'm a big Rodriguez fan his records didn't sell at all in North America non-existent was huge in South Africa which no one here knew at the time watch the movie it explains it all but if someone wanted to get a Rodriguez record on vinyl, if it weren't for the new reissues, they wouldn't be able to find one because there were so few pressed back in 1972 and so few have survived, you wouldn't be able to afford one or if you could even find one. So, you know, one of the benefits, I guess, of new vinyl is it's given us access to those almost long forgotten albums. Another thing that springs to mind is you see Dylan down at Noble Records. He does that, those um, exclusive pressings of albums that he thinks are fantastic that I don't want to say are forgotten to time, but damn close. Yeah. So yeah. absolutely. You yeah. Know. I've, I've learned more about rare artists from that guy than anyone. Like, and you're right. Like the, t- you could almost indirectly thank the Taylor Swift's of the world for allowing that to happen because record, you know, reissue companies are emerging and they're like, Hey, people want to listen to records. Let's put records out there that no one has a clue about. And somehow it works out. If you got the right kind of product, you know, you right kind of marketing. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Your, um, how do I phrase this next question? Your decision when you go into a record store to, to, to buy something, is that, is it, is it driven by, I want the best possible sounding record. I want the rarest historical artifact. I want the, what, what, what drives your, your quest when you're not even when you're going to, when you're looking for something, what, What's your, what's your main driving factor? The collectability of it, the audio quality, the, what's your, what's your, I think for me, it's just, it, like, I have to know, I I usually know, like I have my want list. I know what I want and I know what the album covers look like. So when I'm flipping, I'm, I'm going pretty damn fast because I know exactly that image that it's going to make me stop and grab it. And so when I enter a store, if I'm lucky enough to be at one, if I enter a store, I will definitely be very open to reissues or originals or anything right like just show me that cover and then i'll pick it up then i'll look at it is it a reissue is it is it an original and not that that's a deal breaker one way or the other actually you know what is a deal breaker and this is kind of a sidebar conversation when it comes to reissues is if you're doing a reissue and this has kind of been brought up into the vc lately on account of the beatles um red and blue albums don't mess with the original tracks 
keep everything in order the way it is. And some guys are going so far as to say, if you're going to do a reissue, make the cover slightly different so that people know when they're flipping that they pick that, you know, dark side of the moon out. And it's like, they look at it, bad example, maybe because it's an iconic cover. Don't mess with that ever. But, you know, change the cover. Don't change the track listing. Like keep it as the artist intended, but put, put some kind of image or some kind of, symbol on it that indicates that look this isn't an og because i think people now like well maybe the five percent or less are interested in knowing as quickly as possible look is this an original is it an artifact or is it a repress if it's a repress or a reissue is it still going to be the same at least the same order as that artist intended right so kind of a sidebar but entering the store like you said I think personally, I go in there with a pretty open mind. Like I, I come across as a snob for God's sakes. I have a damn YouTube channel about this, right? But I, uh, I come across as a snob. Sure. But when I go to a record store, I'm, I'm open to anything. If it's a reissue, if it's in good shape, I will take it home. If it's an artist that I want. What about you, Alex? Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the amount of variables <laughs> that this just goes yeah. back to Jason's point <laughs> that we're clearly not, we're clearly not snobs. Um, but the amount of variables, final <laughs> influencers. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, the amount of variables is interesting. And, and I want to, you know, make a point too. I've been doing this for, I guess maybe about three and a half years now. So, you know, nowhere near, you know, Rob, you were mentioning like early nineties collecting this stuff. It's like, yeah. So, but even that, I don't know like any of us would call ourselves experts in this, but the, but the point is, is that our collecting and therefore our buying habits change. Um, and, and, and that's versus three years ago as it could be, mine could be different in three months than they were three months previously. Um, but for me, it really just depends on, on the record, right? Like the, the go-to thing, Jason, I feel bad for you because I, you you know, I kind of know where you live and it's like not exactly the most like accessible for like the local record shop. Um, (laughs) but meanwhile, like earlier today, like I went out and hit five stores in like two hours because they're all right next to each other and they're all great. But like, but you know, it's like when you walk in, like, you know, it's like the the beeline to the used new arrivals, right? Like whatever they've just recently brought in. And yeah, I have a list or I have like holes I would like to fill, but you know, a lot of that's depending on price and condition. And, you know, maybe I wouldn't mind something that, you know, maybe a VG or a VG minus even if it's five bucks, you know what I mean? It's like, I've come across, you know, I think I have, it doesn't matter, a handful of copies of original Dark Side of the Moon, you know, Pink Floyd, original U.S. First Presses that I got in dollar bins. And like, they don't, you know, they're obviously not, they're not near mint. They don't come with all the stickers, but it was a dollar. Like, I'm like, yes, I'm going to hang on to this for a dollar. Um, and so it, it sort of depends. And then it's sort of like a, a risk reward sort of game from there. But then again, a lot of times that can get thrown off because you might be flipping through and you come across one of your favorite records. And maybe it's a record that you already have multiple copies of, you know, but this one's a white label promo, you know, and then you're like, Oh yeah, but now this is even cooler, right? Like it comes with that story again. Um, and that wasn't even on your list because you already have three copies of it, but this one's different. Um, and then, you know, the other side of it too is, and I think this is important. We don't talk about it enough, right? Like, when we say like, you know, original or first pressings versus reissues, our mind kind of goes to like, oh, like the reissue campaigns of the last like two or three or four years. But in reality, especially with these artists who have these huge catalogs, I remember, 
I fell in love with like everything David Bowie two years ago. So I was like, I'm going to go out and buy every, if I see a Bowie, I'm buying it. And you know, he obviously sold a ton of records. And so like, I think the pressings that I was buying were mid to later seventies reissues. Right. You know, they weren't the originals. They weren't like the orange RCAs, but they were like the black RCA. You know, it's like that whole thing. And I'm sitting there and I was like, you know, looking back on it now, I'm like, I still have those. Like, they're great. I have no interest in replacing them. But it's weird that like in my mind, I don't see those as reissues. Like, you know what I mean? I don't see that the same as going to a a brand new store or a, a Target or a Barnes and Noble or whatever and buying a brand new David Bowie off the shelf, even though. The reality is they're both reissues. And so um, I, I think that's the other thing, too, is although there are so many I buy primarily used records, that's not to say that they're all, quote unquote, original or first pressings or whatever. There's plenty of sort of mid-career or a couple day la- or, you know, a couple years later reissues in there as well. Yeah, that's a solid point. Yeah. It's actually worth repeating. Yeah. So basically reissues don't necessarily mean the three years that have preceded our, you know, this date of all these different companies emerging and doing stuff. But yeah, like you, Alex, I have so many old records, but they're not all OGs. Right. But my God, they sound great. Like the Dynaflex is the great example, right? Like all these reissues on Dynaflex that sound great. They, they, they look flimsy as hell. Do I need 180 gram reissue? No, I have this. It's a reissue, sure. But it sounds great. It's fine. It's older. It's got a bit of history to it, you know. I guess it depends how much we like the band, right? So yeah, yeah. I have every Credence record, for example. Do I care if they're all the original first press? Nope. I just care that I have it. And it plays fine. The Beatles, do I care if it's a first press? Absolutely. So I guess I mean, it really <laughs> depends on, depends, I guess, on your level of emotional attachment to the artist, I suppose. Well, and I think the other thing, and maybe Rob, you might be getting this in one of the you know, questions or other points you have, but like, <laughs> I, you know, you brought up like audiophile, which that might be a whole different conversation. But what I think is interesting too is that there's this, seeming obsession with sounds, especially a lot of times with artists or bands where that was never like, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I don't need an audiophile version of a velvet underground record. Like they're a garage rock band that are half out of tune anyway. So, but originals of those records are anywhere between, you know, a hundred dollars to, Gosh, an original, like the original peel of the banana is, I mean, upward multiple thousands sometimes. And so, yeah, I'm totally great with like the $20 reissue there. Um, you know what I mean? And, and I don't need it to be an audiophile or done by Bernie Grunman or something like that because they're not even in tune half the time anyway. And so that's a solid, solid point. Man. It just yeah, needs to be really in good, good condition and plays without all your scratches and hisses and pops and crackles and right. Yeah. 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 You mentioned a few minutes ago, and I always like to explore why this is because I'm I'm absolutely guilty of this. You mentioned having multiple copies of an album. And presumably, if you've got multiple copies of an album, presumably there are multiple different versions of said album. I have – let's just say I have lots of Sgt. Peppers. How many? How many? Oh, yeah. uh, I, I think about – 17 i think something like that uh and and, listen i have reasons for all of them so i have an original uk mono 
and I have an original Canadian mono and stereo. And there was a marble vinyl pressing in the 70s Canadian that I have. And I have the mono remaster version. And I have the the anniversary 2LP edition. And I have the big CD box set that looks like it's vinyl. I've got various, you know, there's reasons for all of those. So I have an OG, but I have, <laughs> I have many others. Are you, you guys guilty of the same thing? Yeah. It, it, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. Like it really depends on the artist. If that artist is important to you, then you like, what is the term completist, right? You become a completist. And I think that harkens back to our original point about the artifact element, right? Like they put this out at this point, I want it when it came out. They put it out at this point, I want it when it came out. And like people, and it's a lot harder to be a completist nowadays with like Taylor Swift being a great example, right? Um, but yeah, I got a few and it really does boil down to the artist and it really doesn't have anything to do with, you know, what the quality of the depressing is or anything like that. It's just, if I see a dark side of the moon, I'm going to get the dark side of the moon. If it's cheap, right? I'm not going to spend top dollar on a bunch of reissues, but I have... I think I have four copies, which for my small collection is just asinine and ridiculous. But here I am. (laughs) I have multiple copies of an amazing album. Um, I think it's really hard to not fall down that rabbit hole once you've kind of fallen into this hobby. Because why are we doing this? We're here because of the touch, the the physical connection to the the thing. And if, if one artist is putting out lots of stuff, I want all of that. I want to own all of that. That's a really um, good yeah. point. It's more than just the music. Yeah. And that, and that's, you know, that's, that's a good and a bad thing, right? It's, it's a bad thing for your wallet. Um, but it's a good thing to, you know, it's sure the, the hobby is, you know, costly and the hobby is ridiculously inconvenient, but it really makes you be an intentional listener and an intentional fan and when you find that artist that you really just want to totally commit to, you will buy all the reissues and you will search out the OG. And yeah, it's uh, this is ridiculous. Why are we doing this? <laughs> what about you, Alex? You, you, you guilty of that uh, shameful crime as well? Not, not necessarily. I, I don't own, um, you know, even my favorite records in the world, I don't own or seek out a ton of different versions of or copies of. I think the extent... You know, but it's still an example of that. But the extent of where I go is if I want to, you know, invest, we'll say invest in really just means buy, um, you know, <laughs> that sounds some, better. something like, you know, some kind of special edition, like, a you know, like a mobile fidelity or, you know, if there's a special thing coming out for record store day or something like that, you know, it's like I. I've actually really dialed back my buying of like MoFi records or, and, and, and loop everybody into that. I don't just mean MoFi. I mean, anything from analog productions or new HQ records, all that kind of stuff. Any, any of those. Um, and it's really dialed down to of like, Ooh, is this like a top 10, 20, 30 insert, whatever number like record for me where I'm going to really enjoy this because I enjoy this record so much. I want whatever is considered the best version of that. Um, and, and therefore, that's when I'll do it. Um, but usually not, you know, it's 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 funny, Rob, but I'm, I'm looking and thinking of like the the especially like the Beatle collectors and stuff. I, I, I love that. I think that's amazing. I'll usually stop at like Sergeant Pepper. I got a ster- an original U.S. stereo and original U.S. mono. And like, I'm just like, oh, OK, I got both. But uh, <laughs> I wish I could do that. 
Right. <laughs> it's the OCD right. in me. I'm like, oh, I gotta have the colored one. I gotta have the MoFi one, and I gotta have the 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 two disc one because it's got a bunch of extra studio stuff. And you just, yep. Yeah, I'm like Pac Man. I just keep gobbling it up, and they see sucker oh. written on my head. And I, I had to, yeah. I had, I was proud of myself. I had to finally put the brakes on and say no to the Beatles when they came out with the new Red and Blue albums. Which I did a whole video on my YouTube channel on why I think that's a cash grab, and I won't get into it on this discussion. But for the first time ever, I was able to say no to Paul and Ringo. I'm not giving you any more money on this one. So. But you know what, though, Rob, in full circle moment to one of your first thing when we first started this this episode, where was you were talking about buying three records, three brand new records, and it was one hundred seventy dollars. I was at the record store earlier today, and and I had wanted, I probably was going to buy the new Beatles single, like I, the seven inch, right? Like right. I just wanted a physical copy of that song, and I wasn't going to invest in the new. Um, you know, red and blue or just the, the blue or whatever. Which is what I did. I bought the 12 inch single. Um, yeah. And so it, it, what was so funny is I had this moment was I, I bought a, a seven inch single and it was $20. <sighs> and, and along with the $20 seven inch single, I bought three other records in the store. Each of them were double rec were doubles, a couple lot, you know, a couple live albums. One was like a, a double comp. Those three put together was $19. Wow. And it's like, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this single <laughs> of this one song. I mean, a, a relic really it's, you know, and then I'm like, Oh my gosh, for that same amount of money, you have six, you have 12 sides worth of music, 12 sides worth of music versus this one new song. Um, but I think that's, 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 kind of where we're at right that brings us full circle you're right back to what was my whole inspiration for this discussion that you know you really have to be you have to be a little more um uh thoughtful i guess in your in your vinyl buying because you very easily he's like that out of control freight train and just keeps you know gathers more momentum and then you end up with a couple thousand records and then you're on youtube talking about vinyl like you're some kind of expert couldn't be me couldn't be me (laughs) you guys jason you have any final thoughts on on i'm just i'm just sitting here i'm trying to figure out what it is like what is the criteria how do i decide reissue versus og and you know, I'm trying to remove myself from being too much of like a, a snob here and pretending to know what I'm talking about. But ultimately, I think when you find an album, you ask yourself, okay, what, like in my, my personal situation, like what's it cost? Okay, what's the condition of the album? What does this album mean to me? And if it means a hell of a lot, I might leave it there and want the OG. Unless for some reason I know that that album, that particular pressing is kind of the one to have alex had a great point with the velvet underground right like some albums sound like garbage because they were recorded like garbage and that i think is the very that's the strength of the reissue the strength of the reissue is you know you could have a great sounding album you could have a great jacket that's in decent shape without you know you know wear and tear all over it but i think it comes down to like what's it cost can I afford this right now for this ridiculous hobby? Is the condition good enough to justify that purchase? 
And most importantly, does this album mean anything to me to bring home? Or is this something I can just easily stream? And if it does mean a lot to me, you know, do I want the reissue or do I really want the original? And I think those kind of three three uh, conditions have to be kind of thought about when I'm in the process of digging. Well said, well said. Alex, any final thoughts from you? You know, ultimately, and Jason was just sort of alluding to this, is that ultimately what's always been most important for me is if I love a record, I just want to have it. And uh, sometimes that means I don't want to go through all the work of shopping in a store or scrolling through eBay. Sometimes I just want to say, you know what? I love this record so much. I'd rather just buy it off, you know, in the new bin or off Amazon, whatever that is. Or, you know, the other thing we didn't even talk about is like, sometimes we have friends or family who buy us records and like, they're just trying to do a nice thing because they know we love this. Like they're not digging through bins of being like, let's find the first, like li- get the yellow <laughs> label. Like, they're, like, they're cranking on Amazon and they're like, buy now for my stupid, you know, friend in Columbus. So, uh, <laughs> and I love that because now I have, you know, again, I have the physical piece of music and I can listen to it and enjoy it. And, uh, and that's, what's most important no matter what. So I would just say wherever you are, whatever you prefer, what's most important is that you get the music that you want and love and listen to it. However you want to listen to it and however it means, uh, whatever that means for you, it's, that's what, that's what it's all about. It, so. it really comes down to that guy in the Northwest with the cool hats there. It really comes down to what he says, right? It's all about the music. It's all about the music. We can't. Yeah. We, we're going to get in trouble on the. I think he probably trademarked that, so probably yeah. going to cost us uh, eighteen cents to say that. But yeah, but that's that is a great place to leave it, gentlemen. It's uh, been a pleasure chatting with you guys. Thank you for your insight on the topic. Uh, for those listening on the podcast, please. Uh, if you're so inclined, check us out on uh, YouTube. You can find uh, Jason Arsenault. You can find Alex at Beer and Vinyl and myself, Rob, at Northern Revolution. So there will be uh, links in the podcast uh, descriptions. So thank you, gentlemen. Pleasure chatting with you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Take everybody. Care, Catch you Bye. again soon.